Welcome to the Linguava Podcast, The Invisible Profession, where we give you tools, tips, and resources in medical interpretation and translation that help bring to life our industry and ultimately help improve health outcomes for the limited English proficient communities. I am extremely grateful and excited to be with Dr. Jeffrey Eisen. And for those of you who, who don't don't know yet Dr. Jeffrey Eisen, I want to give you a, give a brief brief bio on on who he is and just share some of his um, his many accolades that that he has. He currently is an assistant clinical professor of psychiatry at OHSU. He holds an MBA from Stanford University. Uh, as well as has served as a full-time faculty member in the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He has presented nationally on such topics as population health and data analytics approaches for the behavioral health care field, um, and currently serves as the Chief Medical and, and Health Integration Officer at Cascadia Behavioral Healthcare, which is the largest provider of community-based mental health and substance use treatment services in the state of Oregon. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here on the show, Jeffrey. Thank you for joining us today. And thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Jeffrey, how is COVID-19 impacting our community from a health equity perspective? And what should we what should we be thinking about? Yes, David. So this is one of the most important and critical questions that we need to be asking right now. Um, it is the case that black and brown communities are significantly and disproportionately affected by COVID-19. Um, it is true that um, also um, commu- uh, medically underserved communities are also greatly affected and are the emerging hotspots around COVID-19. And so um, health equity is being greatly affected. And um, it's clear that we need to rush personal protective equipment, that's PPE medical supplies, as well as testing and ventilators to these communities um, to provide the support and um, relief that they absolutely will need. Um, it is the case that um, health equity um, and inequity specifically um, is, is incredibly apparent during this difficult time. Yes. No, it's, and it's, I, I, I love to, to see and, and hear what, what your organization, what Cascadia has been, has been doing to kind of take, take the lead and really be, be setting an example for other organizations to, to follow. And I think that one of the things that you're, that you're touching on, too, is making sure that as we're creating our, our COVID-19 task force, forces and getting everyone organized is that health equity and understanding that not everyone's starting from the same place, whether that is socioeconomic, race, language barrier, that having to address that at the forefront and not not waiting till the last minute to, to think about that. That is absolutely the case. And we are seeing that more than ever now with the spread of COVID-19 throughout our communities. Cascadia is an organization that is focused on individuals who are traditionally, um, who are typically and often marginalized from traditional avenues of healthcare. And so the health inequities among those we serve are quite significant. And so it really is imperative for us as an organization to, to, to address those needs as we think about prevention and preparedness around COVID-19. So essentially at the beginning of March, we really sprung into action and we created a, 
COVID-19 command center that really Mm -hmm. has been working um, around the clock since the beginning of March in prevention and preparedness measures um, for the individuals we serve and for our workforce that's doing some of this important um, in-person frontline work with individuals that we serve. That's excellent. No, it's such a such a great example for for other organizations to to be able to follow. So, on a similar similar note, as we're talking about health equity, what have you you seen, and what would you recommend from a a language access perspective, so that we are addressing the limited English proficient community during during this time and making sure that they are getting the same information and same healthcare access during COVID nineteen. That is a, um, an excellent question and it's absolutely important. And we know that individuals whose uh, lang- first language is not English would clearly have mm-hmm. much greater difficulty potentially accessing needed information to remain safe and healthy during this time. So there are a few different approaches around this. The first is to emphasize um, the important need for written documentation um, that is um, translated into various languages. That is, is of utmost importance. And so I know that Multnomah County Department of Public Health and the Oregon Health Authority have done some of that. We have taken as much of that work as we can and actually placed that on our um, internal website that our staff members can use with our clients so yeah. that we have um, that available information. So first and foremost, that's really important. I also think that collaborating with an organization like yours um, with regard to the use of interpreter services this, during this time and to have creative ways to maintain interpretive services, um, even during, um, you know, a time when in-person work um, can happen less often is, is obviously, you know, a really important factor here. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, also it's just, um, I think, is important that we find every way possible to maintain high quality and compassionate and respectful services to our community during this time and to try to figure out a way we can do that, um, again, as, in, a, in a, as a creative and impactful way as possible during this time. Yeah, no, it's so, so, so important in Cascadia. Again, just has been, been phenomenal with making sure that, that your, your patient population is, is receiving all the information that's that's trans that's getting translated that's jumping on a on a video call with an interpreter making sure that 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 uh, access to care is is still there regardless of the of the language barrier and i know one of the things that that we've been able to do as a solution a newer solution with telehealth is be able to have an interpreter join a a conference call where you might do a a zoom call where you might be remote the patient might be remote and then having an interpreter join that call as well, which has been a really effective way to still provide meaningful language access, especially during this time of social distancing and um, everyone just being more shelter in, in place in, in their in their homes. So it's been a good Absolutely. Good I think that that's been an important partnership that we have with your organization in order to be able to, to foster that. Coming at this as well from a behavioral health lens, what sort of a ripple effect do you envision or are you are you already seeing or changes in, in behavioral health uh, due to COVID-19? 
Well, one of our approaches in behavioral health has always been to find ways to meet people where they are at in terms of trying to define ways in which um, individuals can uh, meet their goals um, and have their needs met in, in, in specific ways that can help individuals improve their lives and have improved quality of life. And this is a time more than ever where our organization needs and others like ours really need to find new and innovative ways to meet people where they are at. And in this case, it actually means where they might physically be at. Yeah, yeah. And so that's an approach that we have worked on quite a bit. Um, and a lot of that has to do with technology. So um, we have really in, in probably a week and a half time um, in mid-March, we converted about 80% of our um, efforts with our clients to telephone and televideo type services in order to be able to be flexible um, to meet um, their needs and also to just provide health and safety for our clients and for our workforce. And so oh. the use of technology has been one of the greatest changes we have seen. And we know that um, our clients are really benefiting from that and are mm -hmm. um, seeming to be really appreciative of that effort as well, too. So, um, you know, I think that that's a big change that has happened. And I think that some of that infrastructure that we're putting in place is going to really help us in the future in terms of being even more flexible to the needs of our clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I want to I want to get your thoughts on on the future as well. But one one other quick question first in regards to to telehealth, like you had, had mentioned, 80 percent of of your visits now going going remote. What has been that? experience like on the provider side as well as as well as the patient side as as, as it pertains to technology and getting getting acclimated and, and comfortable with this new technology that existed before but wasn't as prevalent or we weren't all using it perhaps and so uh what what is your your team and and patients experienced from a learning curve perspective so the learning curve is significant for both our, our workforce and for our clients. Um, it's a different mode of delivery of care. Um, and I think different clients and different um, members of our workforce kind of have adapted differently to it. Some adapting quite r rapidly and others, it's a bit more challenging, which is absolutely and completely understandable. Um, what we're finding is that um, both clients and staff and uh, have really risen to the occasion in really jumping in to try to use technology as a creative way to be helpful um, to individuals during this time. I also see um, clients, I see them on Wednesdays uh, at, during uh, on a shift that I'm doing currently. I'm doing both in-person work during this time for individuals who do not have access to technology, and I'm using the, the televideo and telephone services as well. And um, it's been an adjustment for me too. Yeah. But I've also found that um, I really like the opportunity to try to be flexible to um, what our clients need and to really try to serve them in the best way that I can. So it sounds like what you're, what you're doing then that's working well is you're, you're giving them the option. If they feel comfortable with, with going remote and video, then they can do that. If they'd like to meet in person, then, then you're okay with that as well. Yeah, so what we're doing in that regard is that, again, most of the work is being done um, either through telephone or televideo. And in fact, most of our, our uh, workforce, including me, and um, our clients will prefer it that way. 
um, given the need to um, stay home and stay safe as per um, the governor's um, requirements. Um, we do have um, a skeleton crew of individuals who are willing and have been interested and able to come in to our health centers in the event that certain clients don't have access to a phone or don't have access to technology and they really need our services nonetheless. And so we've found ways to um, help individuals who have no other choice but to come into our health centers. And in that regard, we're really employing the use of physical distancing or social distancing yeah. to try to um, maintain that safety. Also, individuals wearing masks and using hand sanitizer and washing hands frequently and all of those different factors and cleaning protocols that are important during this time so that we can at least maintain a very small staff and to help keep them safe. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's awesome that you're providing those, those kinds of options and solutions there. So talking about, talking about the future, and this is obviously what everyone is scratching their heads, hoping they had the, the crystal, magic crystal ball, right? To, to know what, what is healthcare going to look like uh, in three months or, or four months as, as much of it is going remote and, and telehealth now and people jumping jumping quickly to to get there from your from your perspective where do you see us at 4 months from now 4 to 6 months from now as it pertains to telehealth telemedicine going remote versus versus on site do you have a you have a vision for what that might might look like hmm. yes so you know through COVID-19, you know, more than ever, we've witnessed the effects of COVID-19 on specific communities, and it has detrimentally uh, affected health equity. And so the first thing we can say is that we need to realize that now so that in the future, we can um, continue to put the good work forth on um, reducing um, inequities. And to be able to know that something like what has just happened um, has really um, marked impact on the black and brown communities uh, of our country and that we must do something about that now. So, you know, I'm still currently focused on the need that we need to rush PPE and testing and services and providers to medically underserved communities to meet those needs. Um, but in the meantime, I think we can see this as a wake-up mm -hmm. call for the future. I would also say then is that we have all learned a lot more about technology and how technology can be helpful in the way in which we yeah. deliver care to individuals, especially individuals who may on an ongoing basis not be able to make it into a health center. So there's many opportunities there. I think we've learned quite a bit that we'll be able to use in the future. Yeah, no, most, most definitely. And from a health equity perspective, like, like you're saying, this has been a wake up call because now all of a sudden everyone that, that maybe initially, and hopefully we're getting through the, the initial anxiety mode of running around, you know, more of like a, a fire drill, but understanding that the same impact is not, not being had by, by all communities. And, and it's, it's been a wake up call from the from a health equity perspective of knowing that, hey, there's a lot more that we can do proactively to make sure that that all communities, regardless of socioeconomic, um, race, language, that 
that they're going to receive the same options for care that are that are out there. Then, like you mentioned, if they're not able to physically travel or that's not not accessible as much, then we can still provide solutions for for them, and and then also being able to to get information translated if there if there is a language barrier that there's everything that that's being sent out currently to English only speaking patients that that's also being being translated. Yes, indeed, all of that very very important. Yeah, and so that's something that. Um, I mean, it's so it's so great to to speak with someone like yourself, who's who's equally as as passionate as as we are here at Linguava of of, um, of helping helping those communities uh, make sure that they are receiving the same the same information um, and 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 helping helping other providers understand how they can provide that meaningful language access through their uh, through their organizations. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, it's a real pleasure to collaborate with your organization um, and you know, to know that we're all in this together, trying to all do the best we can uh, to um, protect the health and safety of our communities. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, and Jeffrey, you know, you and I have gotten to know each other just, just briefly, you know, uh, recently, and it's just been, it's been really, really interesting to get to learn, learn about you. And I've, I've heard just nothing but amazing things from what you're, from what you're doing in the, in the community. And, um, my, my question for you is what really gets you out of bed in the morning to, to do what you do? What, what really, what, what, what drives you? Well, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a good question. That's a big question. Yeah. Actually. I, um, appreciate you asking that. Um, I would first say that, um, I am continually inspired by the behavioral workforce and the team I work with each day um, in the uh, work I do um, in the clinic or the work that I witness at our organization. Uh, the individuals on our teams are incredibly inspiring, passionate, dedicated individuals, and that helps keep me inspired every day too. Mm. So it's a big shout out to everyone who does um, this important work in our communities. Um, some of the other things that are really important to me as I think about my work is that I really am aspire to improve the quality of life and health outcomes of individuals who are marginalized from traditional avenues of care and to really improve that access and improve those outcomes and really increase the life expectancy and reduce mortality of people um, who may not have traditionally had access to care for a whole variety of reasons, including um, a behavioral health concern or because of a substance use concern. So that's really, um, that really drives me each day. Um, and then I suppose lastly, I'd say that um, I find it important for me to do this work to really inform policy and to inform legislation so that I can help uh, among a group of others, uh, with a group of others, to create change and improvements in our broader healthcare system. I think that the, this is a really important time more than ever for all of us to work with our legislators mm-hmm. and really think about the ways that we can prioritize um, the importance of healthcare for everyone in our community. On that topic of, of policy and, and legislation, what are what what questions should other medical providers or just community at large be be asking our, ourselves as far as how we can can help create and promote promote change there as it pertains to health equity? There are um, pieces of legislature um, here in the state of Oregon that are very important. 
um, for individuals with behavioral health and substance use concerns. And those issues are at squarely at the center of um, the topics that we talk about today in our communities um, and that the media covers as well, too. So now is a better time than ever to reach out to um, our legislators to express support for initiatives that support um, the needs of uh, individuals from a behavioral health or substance use treatment standpoint. Um, there, wa- there are two pieces of legislature um, that are currently on hold with the um, legislature in Salem right now. Um, when there was a, uh, when the legislature stalled most recently um, due to um, the cap and trade bill um, that led to Republican walkout and a lot of divisiveness between the parties, um, that really stalled a lot of other bills, including very important health care bills. Um, one of which is one that supports certified community behavioral health centers or CCBHCs. That's some really important funding that is transform the way that we're able to deliver care to communities. And I'm really hopeful that that bill will continue to shepherd forward um, uh, so that, um, you know, all of our great organizations in across Oregon can receive um, some additional support for this good work. So there's many ways to be involved, mm-hmm. but I'd say reaching out to your legislators and expressing support for CCBHCs, for mental health, for substance use treatment, those are things that are important to our legislators and important to our communities. Mm, I love, love that. And so it's so good to have, have someone like yourself being able to, to encourage, encourage the community as, at large to, to speak up and, um, and get, get involved with, uh, with our legislators. Cause that's, that's how we're going to have, have larger change. Right. Right. Exactly. Excellent. And, and, and Jeffrey, for people that want to be able to, to, to reach out to you or have questions for you, or maybe want, want to have you, um, speak at a, an upcoming, you know, virtual event right now, or or, or join join them on a, on a on a podcast. Um, how what's the best way to get get in touch with you? So I'd say the best way to get in touch with me is through um, our Cascadia website. So okay. our website is www.cascadiabhc.org. And um, there's lots of information about Cascadia, about the great work we do, about the amazing teams we have doing incredible work, and then there's uh, ways to reach me as well. Excellent. Well, we'll, we'll definitely definitely be sharing sharing that uh, that out as as well. And my last and final question is uh, a big big question for you, but I'd be super curious to hear what you think. Is what is the legacy that you would like to leave the world? That's a huge question. <laughs> I appreciate you asking. That's a really big question. I would just return to that which I've spoken about before, that um, if I were to uh, leave behind a legacy uh, on this earth, which I think we all hope to do, um, I hope that I can improve the quality of life and health outcomes for individuals who have been marginalized from um, what we consider traditional avenues of care for any number of reasons. Um, and um, if I can make a difference in the world in that way, I feel that that's a really, you know, good life worth living. Um, and I also think that if I can help inform policy and legislation, um, that can make a difference for uh, now and for the future of our communities, um, that that would be, um, that'd be great to do as well. 
Well, you mo- most definitely are are doing that. You know, it's it's rare rare in life that we get to come across someone someone like yourself that's just so so committed um, and driven to really improve the quality of life and and health outcomes that that you're doing. So I just I, I applaud applaud you for that. And uh, any way that we can continue to help help support, we're we're here for you. And uh, thank you for all you're doing for for the community and um, to affect positive change and. And, and improve health equity. So uh, it's really, really amazing to, to see and to, to get to witness and, and even be a part of. So so thank you for, for that, Jeffrey. And thank you so much for being on, on the show. And for everyone that's uh, that's listening, listening in, we hope you enjoyed the uh, conversation here today. And we, we encourage you all to go ahead and hit subscribe if you haven't already. So you'll get more more conversations just like like this one. And if you have any comments that you'd like to share, go ahead and leave those comments or questions down below. And we'd love to engage with you in that way as as well. And Jeffrey, it was an absolute pleasure. And thank you again for uh, for your time today. Thank you so much. And also thank you for the great work that you do as well, too. Um, it's an absolute pleasure and honor for me to be talking with you and your organization today. 